Today's reading is from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb while it was still dark. When she saw that the large stone had been moved away from the tomb, she ran to Simon Peter and the follower whom Jesus loved. Mary said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other follower started for the tomb. They were both running, but the other follower ran faster than Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down and looked in and saw the strips of linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then, following following him, Simon Peter arrived and went into the tomb and saw the strips of linen lying there. He also saw the cloth that had been around Jesus' head, which was folded up and laid in a different place from the strips of linen. Then the other follower, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. He saw and believed. They did not, ne- they did not yet understand from the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the followers went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she was crying, she bent down and looked inside the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, sitting where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the feet. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She answered, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. When Mary said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Whom are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said to him, Did you take him away, sir? Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary turned towards, towards Jesus and said in the Hebrew language, Rabboni, this means teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, because I have not yet gone up to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am going back to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and said to the followers, I saw the Lord. And she told them what Jesus had said to her. This is the word of the Lord. Christ is risen. Ah, it's good. Even when it's not in the bulletin, you know how to do that. You know, sometimes Christ is risen on Easter Sunday morning, but there's 365 other days, or 64 other days, where Christ may be rising in our lives. And so you have a standing invitation with me to say at any time of the year, even in the heat of summer, hey, Jeff, Christ is risen, and I will respond to you. He's risen indeed. And then I will probably ask you, so tell me, where are you experiencing resurrection? It's not on calendar time, it's on God's time. And resurrection happens every day, in various ways. I saw a cartoon this week on someone's Facebook page. It had the disciples gathered around the empty tomb, and one of the disciples was holding an iPad. 
And the, the disciple holding the iPad says to the other disciples, it looks like he changed his status to risen. This wonderful passage that Chelsea read today of the foot race between the disciple John and the disciple Peter. John gets to the tomb first. Peter gets there second. John is, is known to the early church as the one whom Jesus loved. The one who is motivated by love. The one who received love. The one who gives love. He's the disciple of love. Peter, to the early church, was understood to be the first pope, the first bishop of Rome, the first leader of the institution of the church. Which one gets to understand resurrection first? John, the disciple of love. Love always gets what God's doing first. The institution catches up. But love always understands what God is doing. But here is the hopeful thing for me as a person who serves in an institution. Peter ultimately gets it too. The institution of the church comes around to understand what God is doing, to understand what resurrection looks like. The early adapters... They're the ones who are in the flow of love. Friends, whatever keeps us in the flow of love, keep doing it. Because that's where God is at work. That's where God is bringing resurrection. Whatever it is that makes us loving human beings, keep doing it. I believe that following Jesus helps us get into the flow of love, into the river of love that God is always moving. But in this case... Peter, who's a little late to the tomb, who's a little skeptical, he ultimately comes around to realize resurrection is possible. I'm grateful for Peter this year because it gives us hope that resurrection may not be clear to us yet. But it is still possible to understand what God is doing in bringing new life. I find that particularly helpful this year because so much of the news that we see, so much of our world, perhaps so much of our lives is still stuck in Good Friday. The bombings that we see about and read about and the bombings that are not even on our radar screen, the terror attacks that we don't pick up in our news cycle, all of that has a tendency to make us feel like we are stuck in Good Friday where there is just suffering and loss and injustice and violence. And it's sometimes hard to imagine that resurrection can happen. Sometimes people are going through losses of their own lives, the death of a loved one, the death of a relationship, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job, whatever that is, and it feels like we're stuck in Good Friday. 
and all we can get in touch with is loss and sadness and grief. You can list the losses that each of us have. They are many. And sometimes we feel like we're in Good Friday, or sometimes we feel like we're in Holy Saturday. We don't do much liturgically on Holy Saturday. We do a whole lot of setting up the church, do we not? But I think a worship service on Holy Saturday would probably be very helpful for us because when we're honest, most of our lives are between the great losses that we know and understand and the not-yetness of resurrection. We're in this in-between space of Holy Saturday where we understand what has happened, but we don't quite know what will be. Maybe some of us are in Holy Saturday spirituality. But the hope of Peter ultimately getting to understand the resurrection is the hope that Jesus has for all of us. You know, when Jesus was resurrected on that first Easter morning, it was not the first resurrection that God had done. God has been speaking the language of death and resurrection for about 14.5 billion years. The story of the creation, the universe, the Big Bang, whatever we want to call it, 14.5 billion years ago was a story of death and resurrection, death and resurrection. Jesus was just pointing to the language that God had been speaking for a very, very long time. In fact, Jesus used an image. It's very interesting, Pastor Sharon, you used the bulb image. He said to his disciples, lest a, a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains but a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. There it is, death and resurrection, death and resurrection, death and resurrection. That's the language that God speaks that Jesus lived and invited us into. Have any of you been to Death Valley? Any been to Death Valley? Marie, I see Jerry. You've been to Death Valley. I've never been there, but from the pictures and from what I understand and what I've read, it is barren. It looks completely dead, like there's no growth, no life happening. In fact, I think we have a picture of the, yeah, Death Valley. It's hot, it's dry, it's not a place that you'd want to spend a lot of time. It looks like there's no growth. It looks like there's nothing growing at all there. But underneath the surface, in Death Valley, something's happening, but very few people see it. Have you read what's going on in Death Valley this month? If you haven't, do a Google search. It's called the Super Bloom. It looks, looks like this. The Super Bloom, this is the first time in 10 years that the Super Bloom has happened in Death Valley. There has to be just the perfect amount of rain, the perfect amount of the right temperature, the perfect amount of wind, not too much, not too little. And when that happens, 
all of the seeds under the soil begin to bloom, begin to grow. And tens of thousands of people are flocking to Death Valley this week, last week, to see the super bloom because it happens once every 10, 12, 15 years. Brothers and sisters, whatever season of life we're in, whether we are in Good Friday or Holy Saturday or Easter Sunday, God is bringing forth a super bloom. It may not happen on our time frame. It may not happen when we want it to happen. But God, the God of the risen Christ, the God of resurrection and new life, the God of new hope is preparing underneath the soil in the darkness of our lives a bloom that might just surprise us. Hallelujah. We're invited to trust that God is bringing forth something good. I close with a poem by Pat Marsh, who is in, this is in your bulletins, it was inspired by the text in Isaiah 35, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Friends, listen to this poem called Desert Flowers and hear it with hopeful ears that the deserts in our own lives, in our own world, in our own body politic, in our own geopolitical landscape, there might be something that God does to bring new life. Even the desert will blossom with flowers. That's what you tell us, Lord. And in some most desolate and inhospitable places of this earth, that's how it is. It's parched in fertile ground, made thirsty for water under an unrelenting sun in your season and your time. A great technicolor spectacle of flowers bursts forth with unexpected joy, surprising the desert landscape in which it has its roots. Unlike the multicolored carpet on that hardened, sandy floor, for us, it's maybe different, Lord. Often your miracles creep up on us quietly, on tiptoe, as it were, without theatrical drama, emerging in your way, in your time, and taking us, quite frankly, by surprise. Forgive us, Lord the times we thought you had forgotten us, the long and barren months of waiting when we simply failed to see beneath the surface of our lives the quiet, 
unhurried unfolding of your will. The flowers in the desert, Lord, know all your ways. In your created world, it's not unusual. That period of waiting in the dark, a time when all seems dead, when absolutely nothing gives a hint of what is happening. But in those parched and barren times, seeds are scattered, roots are formed, the promise of your beauty germinating in the dark. Lord, thank you that you help us to be patient in the dark, Thank you that you help us to wait on you in trust. With clarity of hindsight, we now can see that after the desert waiting time, the time of flowering comes. Lord, germinate the seeds that you have planted in the church. Bring forth a great explosion of your joy. Together help each one of us to grow as you would wish. Unfold your great creation through your church. Christ is risen. Amen.